You can edit all this out, Ryan. All right, so no, I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> should I edit As if he didn't out? already know that. You can edit all this out. <laughs> with another episode slow down podcast um, we're pretty eager to jump into this one today we are going to skip our usual banter and making fun of each other just because we think we got a lot of a lot of stuff we want to get into today everybody okay with that everybody okay with me skipping a week and making fun of ryan i'm good with that yeah that's yeah ryan you're yeah. good with that i'm great ryan's, with that yeah ryan's down with that and just okay. so we're clear like if you like say something that's off or if you misquote a verse or if your point right is not thorough bringing the hammer yeah i might have to come in and make fun of you like during the podcast oh during the podcast yeah <laughs> during it's kind of like, it. like goading or chickening <laughs> yeah yeah because i wouldn't want to misspeak because you would have to jump in if i misspoke during the podcast you'd have to jump in and help me out yeah yeah i'll uh what are i whatever i need to do man to to get him to get him lined up <laughs> russ yeah. i love you yep i, I just publicly <laughs> declare my love for you on this podcast <laughs> so our last podcast we started a conversation in, in reclaim for acknowledging the tension the tension that comes from talking about grace and good news and it's the tension that we experience ourselves and we've seen it in a number of people who have been training uh with us um and I don't, I don't think we so much relieved the tension um last episode we're going to try to do a little bit of that and speak into some of the questions today but that's going to continue over the next few podcasts but i want to just say on the front end i wonder and i want to hear what you guys think about this i wonder if a lot of the fear that is at the heart of just letting grace sit there or allowing good news to be good news, I wonder if that is really rooted in, in fear, which is rooted in a lack of control. Like if grace is true and it's a work of God, then really, man, like I can't control that. It's out of my hands. And that's like the worst case scenario for most of us. Every, that, that, I, that connects with everybody, right? A lack of control. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about, you know, having a message that's relevant to all people, <laughs> that, that, that one would be it. It's, it's true. I feel like it, it's, a, it's a true story of humanity dating all the way back to the garden. It, and it's still our mantra today. Um, it's, it's looking at the God that's made us and saying, no, actually I know better and I've got this. Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, it's almost like there's something in us that, that wants to just shout, I'm up, I'm up for anything. I'll do anything except just surrender anything, mm -hmm. but surrender. Yeah. And I feel like at the core of that man is really just this, uh, 
maybe it's just a fear of pain. Maybe everybody at the core of who they are just fears pain, pain in relationships and right and work. And you can tie finances to that. You can tie, you know, image, just a number of things like we fear pain. And as a result, we're obsessed with control, Mm. right? Which is probably why we're so in love with the law at the end of the day. Yes. Right? Like, just give me the law. Like, give, give it to me. I can use it to measure me. I can use it to measure you. Give me somebody who uses the law to tell me what to do every week. Because there's like this sense of security, although false, that comes in that, that allows me to control the ins and outs of my life so that I don't have to face pain. Hmm. Yeah. It's like tangible action steps, right? But the reality is whenever you have things, boxes you can check off, then it actually ironically eliminates the need for faith altogether. Yeah, and this is where I think Christianity, um, you know, Jesus is unique because I think culturally it's understood like, you know, <clears throat> like sin has to do with just law breaking. But when you actually dive into the New <laughs> right. Testament, Jesus is more concerned with all the reasons why we are law keeping. Yeah. And we yeah. never attach the old man or the word flesh to that. We always think that that's just like living, you know, living la vida loca, right? Living in a licentious way. Um, but the old man and the flesh yeah. has every, every bit to do with this last grasp for control to grab onto just something we can have a part in something yep. that we can present something that we can have as our own just to control. And we're, and we're so content to say, okay, cool. You did the work to get us to heaven, right? We're totally conceived there, but now where the old man loves to live is this place where we get to be alive and how I get to control my fruit and my progress and my behavior and the behavior of everyone around me and those mm-hmm. things. So I think it's, it's rooted in fear, but yeah. for right now, we're, we're going to be talking about promises today. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, we're coming off of, you know, our last episode, which is really just honing in on identity, right? It's, it's honing in on us being able to rest in the God who is our life in this finished work, right? That he's completed on our behalf. It's because we take on a new identity in him and we're, we, we unpack this idea that we didn't need improvement. We need a replacement. Hmm. We didn't refinement. We literally needed resurrection, and there's only one who's in the resurrection business. And so we, we take on this new identity in him, right? That this is who we are, which is why we can rest. It's why we're, it, it's why we're saved and we're safe. <laughs> it's why we're loved and we're liked. It's because we dwell in the perfect son. Amen. Hmm. And so where we're definitely going to be moving in today is, is, is taking a hard look at at who he is and what he has promised to do in and through us, especially right in this midst of the tension that we face with our love for control. And, uh, and the fact that we just keep looking at our own lives and the lives of other people, we watch the news, we've got fellow members in churches that are sitting next to us and we're going, Hey, this should be in their life and this shouldn't. And there's these problems in society and they need to be fixed and they need to be fixed right now. And if we're not careful with this grace conversation, these things could go unchecked. And yet, we find a very different story in Jesus. Mm. So Tony, you've definitely had some really cool insights, man, that you've been pulling together around just, you know, I believe it kind of kicks off in Philippians. Yeah. The Philippians passage, um, just going into this, you know, idea of promise is just a flat out promise that he who began a work in us is going to 
complete it. And I love the fact that he initiated it. He began it and he's going to complete it again. This is waging war on our idea of control because it's forcing us to look outside of ourselves and onto the one who has set a table, you know, (laughs) before us and invited us in, in the first place. And it's not so much we're approaching this conversation of progress and sanctification and maturity from this vantage point of the independent self as much as we're taking our eyes off of ourselves and looking to him. So in Philippians 1.6 is a promise that he who began a good work in us is going to complete it. Hebrews 12.2 and Ephesians 2.10, they, they pretty much say the same thing. Hebrews 12.2 says that God is the author and the perfecter of our mm-hmm. faith author in terms of of creator right that he 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 um he orchestrated it he's he created it and he's the perfecter of it but i like that idea of author i love that word because it reminds me of ephesians 2 10 right after those hallmark verses on for by grace you've been saved right ephesians 8 9 it says in ephesians 2 10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. And then the person who's wrestling is like, ha ha, there it is. Good works. <laughs> right. And we're like, yes, no, we're saying, yes, we're saying there are, there is good. There are good things that we should walk in. There's good things that he's doing in our lives. But notice what Ephesians two ten says. It says we're his, we're his workmanship. The Greek word is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. Mm-hmm. And what what's what's going on what's going on there is what the writer of Hebrews twelve is saying that he's the author, he we're his poema, and like any good author, when you start a story, you already know the end, yeah, you already know where you're going, right? Yeah. And that's so like him, man, to start something in us, to set a table for us, to invite us as guests, even though we're flawed, frail, and foolish, and to promise to finish something that he began. And he's writing our story. He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. He knows where this thing is going. And he's faithful to bring us there. And notice those good works in Ephesians 2.10. They're works he's prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Right? Yeah. These, are, these are promises, not marching orders. Yeah. It's a, it's a major shift, right? Like all of a sudden you read those verses and you go back to like a place in Matthew where where Jesus says, for those who love me, right, obey me. And so prove to be my disciples. And we're like, yeah, 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 see, 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 we need to, we need to go do A, B, and C, improve. Like, that's not what he said. See, my love for control and, and therefore my obsession with the law takes everything, I feel like, that Jesus says and twist it back towards myself in some capacity, something that I can, that I can grab onto and use to, to control the narrative. Mm. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, no, no, no. Those who love me, right? It's going to be a work of me because you and your flesh just doesn't, you don't do this, right? You're, you're, you're going to prove like, like it's going to happen. It's a, it's a promise that he's making here. It's, yeah. it's not marching orders telling you to go get it together and make it known, which I feel like just totally ties all into this idea of author, finisher, perfecter, right? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's good. One of the other passages that we like to go to in this conversation of Reclaim 4 and just really what is the starting point of this conversation about fruit bearing and and works and these kinds of things? Well, anyone who thinks about fruit bearing goes to John 15. Like that's like the classic, that's the classic passage. And we love this passage. And I just want to take a a quick moment to to read it and talk about it um, here. But in, in John 15, 1, 
starting in one, um, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now in verse two, we have like um, <clears throat> the, the, the thing that we all fear the most. Look, this is someone who knows right about the gospel, but they, they don't bear fruit, right? This is like worst case scenario for a Christian leader or like this conversation. Look, someone who doesn't bear fruit. And here we have it. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, we'll get to that in a second. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. <clears throat> Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, what's interesting is that most people think in verse 2, um, in the tragic case of this vine that's not bearing fruit, is they think the word take away means what, it, what Jesus says in verse 6, that they're taken away in judgment, gathered and thrown into the fire. But just quickly like examining this passage and taking pause uh, to dive in just a little bit further, notice just a couple of things. In verse 2, Jesus says, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit. Mm. Notice he says, these branches are his. And the next thing he says in verse 3, he says, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So Jesus, again, is reminding us of their cleanliness, acceptance, righteousness, like wh whatever you want to add to that. They are that not by a record of their own, but by a declaration of his, a word he has spoken to them. He's made them clean. Hmm. But here we have a branch in Christ, which we know that that phrasing, that wording in speaks to union, right? Right. Relationship. Paul uses the phrase all the time in Christ. He says, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. What does this word takes away mean? Again, like I said, everyone thinks it means what it means in verse six, like he takes away in judgment. But if you take a moment to just dive into this word, it actually doesn't mean like remove. It means lift up or rise. That's what the word means in Greek. It means lift up or rise. And then you start diving into first century viticulture, which is, you know, vines and, you know, all that world. Obviously. Is it? Yeah, in the in why well, didn't know I'm like viticulture. What's that? I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm not the most learned dude in the world. I'm learning things slowly as I go. Um, but um, I was researching this, and basically, like in first century Jewish viticulture, they just have these wild vines that would grow on the ground. They don't sit up on trellises and suspended in air, you know, like you'd see like if you're driving. Um, in California or throughout Michigan, that's more like where I'm at, Southwest Michigan, you see the vines growing, suspended in the air. They would just grow on the, grow on the ground. And so this vine dresser notices this, this branch that's not bearing fruit. And instead of just taking it, throwing it into a fire, what this good, loving, <laughs> right, right. vine dresser does is he comes over to this branch and he lifts it up. He raises it up. Hmm. puts a rock underneath it or a stick underneath it that it can position it right to have more exposure to the sun or to allow to airflow underneath it 
He cares for it in such a way that it begins to bear fruit. He doesn't take it away in judgment because right. if you say, oh, he takes it away in judgment, that's what he means in verse six. Then how in the world later on in this passage, can Jesus say at the end in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If John 15 is starting the conversation about let's see if you bear fruit or not, because if you do, then I'm going to prune you so you may bear more fruit. But if you don't, I'm going to gather you and throw you into the fire. Yep. Hope you get it in verse 11. He wouldn't say in verse 11, I say these things so that you might be joyful. (laughs) It would be more appropriate to say, I say these things that you might be warned. Right. Or scared to death. Yes. Joy is a result of a promise. Not Not a marching order. Telling us the story of a good and loving father who cares for even the branches of his that don't bear fruit. Because truth be told, guys, I've been walking with Jesus for like, what is it? um, 19 years now. I've had plenty of seasons, man, where I've had a really hard time finding fruit in my life, but he's been faithful. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I love that, Tony, that you, that you paint this picture, you know, just using the words that Jesus used. You know, we think about joy. Joy is different than happiness, right? I mean, happiness comes from the word happenstance. Like it's, it's momentary. You can be happy one minute and then be unhappy the next you can be happy driving on the road, something tragic can happen, and then the happiness is gone in a second. But joy is different. Joy is something that's, that's eternal. Joy is something that's lasting, something that's unending. And so I, I agree with you that when Jesus says, hey, I'm telling you these things for your joy, you guys have you've got these ideas. It's almost like he's looking at a crowd, much like today, ourselves included, that are fearful of pain, obsessed with control, in love with the law, doing everything we can to take and use it to, to better ourselves in hopes that God will like us or love us even. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he's looking at us and going, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. You're not the gardener. <laughs> this myth of control that you have that, that well, if, if it's not bearing fruit, then what we need to do is just move the tree, you know, or we just need I better love how we write ourselves into the stories, man. We do it all the time. And I, I do the same thing, but he doesn't do that. He says, no, 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 just so we're clear, my father's the gardener. And just so you don't get confused, I'm the vine, not you. Yeah. And so you don't produce fruit, bear it. And that's night and day. Mm. A branch bears fruit. That's a great point. It comes from someone else, not, right, not itself. And so Jesus, I, I love that he just paints this picture of, hey, I'm the author and finisher. I'm the one that's going to perfect you. You know, we dive in even what we talked about in the last episode that this all ties into this, just this beautiful reality that we've already been sanctified in the perfect work of him. Mm. The fruit's already there. You're already clean. He's, he's just making it known. And if it's not being made known in this season, well, then just trust that my father will come along and he'll lift it up. Yeah. And it will bear fruit. Not in your time, and, right? Not, not when you think it should happen. And it might be when you're 87 years old that you learn patience. You know, I don't know. I just know that in our, uh, in our identity as those who live and dwell in him, he's promised to make known, right, who he is and what he's done in and through our lives, and he will complete it. Yeah, and again, I like what you said earlier about the whole, you know, promise verse marching orders, because I used to read verses like um, five and eight, like marching orders. 
five is I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit or verse eight, by this, my father's glorified that you bear fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. I thought prove meant like I'm proving. Yeah. Like I'm proving to be a disciple. But I think what, what Jesus is saying is that no, as a result of a work and a declaration and an ongoing work of me, I'm proving these that are united with me to be my disciples because of the work I'm doing in their lives. Yeah. It's night and day, man. It's night and day. day. You even start to read the word abide. Like it's a, like it's a, it's a work. You know what I mean? Like it's this thing that uh, it's a discipline. Don't even get me started on this. I preach some bad sermons. (laughs) Oh dude. Like, you start telling everybody about how they need to abide and how they, how you can abide better. You know what I mean? And think about it. Like how many times have you driven through, I don't know, an apple orchard or a vineyard and, 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 and watched a branch be all disgruntled about the fruit that it's bearing, having a conversation with the vine about what it needs to do different, <laughs> how it needs to get it together because I'm not seeing what I think should happen right now. But it, I mean, all this sort of comes around like the whole Second Corinthians passage, right? We've been given a life of faith in him who is unseen, mm. not a life of sight in what you can see or measure or perform. Yeah. Our faith is in him who is unseen. Yeah. Promised to do the work in us. Yeah. And literally like does all that's needed for us to dwell in him. That's our reality. Gives us the faith to believe it, the grace to accept it. And then promises, I'm going to make this known in and through you. And I'm going to prove to the world that you belong to me. Hmm. And yet somehow we take all of that identity, all of that promise and turn it into a marching order Yeah. and hanging around someone's neck like a noose or a weight hmm. and say, man, I hope you can get it together. Cause dude, if like you die before you do, then he's chucking you in the fire. Hmm. Oh, by the way, he's a loving God. <laughs> Yeah, like, what I, the hell is that? If I don't laugh at it, I'll cry because I've done that, honestly. Oh, for sure. I'm speaking from experience in all this, just like you. I'm not uh, standing high on my horse as much as I'm saying thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to look at the scriptures without my religious filter. Yeah, for sure. And I remember teaching, you know, about a, abide. Dude, I remember this this one time you're talking about like spiritual disciplines and all that. I remember like buying, I was leading college age ministry at the time, buying everybody a journal and talking about like how we need to journal. I sucked at journaling. But I was telling everybody (laughs) the journal and this is what it meant to abide and all that. But look at, look at it just really quickly with me in John 15, it says abide in me and I in you verse four. And then a little bit later on in six, if anyone does not abide in, in me or no, in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide, in you in a couple of like uh, a couple of instances oh verse five again abide in me and i in you um verse four abide in me and i in you sorry i, I misread there but a couple of times you have this like abide in me and i in you right kind of a thing and it's like whatever we apply to abide it goes both ways because jesus is saying abide in me and i in you And so if we define abide by like Bible studies and prayer and journaling and like all these other things, Jesus isn't sitting around doing Bible studies about us, right? Journaling about us, right? He's not praying to us. Mm. I, I think abide is speaking to what we've been speaking to by way of like this permanence of the union that results from, from faith, 
right. that we're in him, that we're lost in him, Colossians 3. Our life is hid with him. There's now a permanent union that nothing can separate us from that. Nothing can pluck us from that, take us from that, remove us from that, or change that. Hmm. Even it makes you think of like the passage, Tony, you just referenced in Colossians 3, you know, which we, we spoke to briefly in our last episode. You know, we're in verse one, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, right? Which we have. Going back into Colossians 1. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, right? Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hmm. This is who you are. This is where you dwell. What I love about that is it, as we're diving into John 15, it makes me think about how much time I've spent obsessing over fruit or the lack thereof in my life or the life of others. Hmm. When the whole time, I've been invited to rest in the one in whom has already perfected all of that. Who's going to make that known in and through us as a branch and says, why are you so obsessed with what's going on on the ground around you? First on the one in whom you dwell, set your mind right on me. Not all of these things that are here one minute and gone the next. I've given you this. I've invited you into this for your joy. Yeah. Right back to John 15 again. Yeah. Man, this is good news. And so as we're going to see in our, our next podcast, we're going to dive into the book of Galatians in a couple of um, big chunks in particular. Um, and we're going to see that the life that God's invited us into is one of faith, hope, and love, not more knowledge, more law, and more performance. And this life of faith that we saw in Galatians 2.20 last podcast which I've been crucified, right? With Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's always going to war on our desire to control. Yep. And John is, 15 man. just inviting us into rest. Rest knowing I'm at work. Yeah. You're down the line. You're a branch. I'm going to be faithful to do the fruit bearing rest in me and know it. I don't think I said anything different than you did. I, it's just, it's just such good news to me, man. I can't help but like stop running my mouth about it. Amen. It's definitely something that's, that's worth, right? Every word we can utter that just sort of paints this picture for others to, to experience the freedom and family that's really found in him. And if you take it seriously, what you're actually saying, then literally the only thing that you can do is faith, right? (laughs) Like, that's, that's the only response if you actually believe the words that you're saying when you read that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely takes, uh, it takes all the other things that we're trying to throw in in the midst of it and just tosses them to the side. And so where does that mean, right? Where does that go? What does it look like to rest in him, but yet also walk in these things that are good that we find in the scriptures where we see, hey, there's some harmony in this and there's not harmony in this. So walk in this and not that. Like, what does that look like from a place of rest? You know, in a in a world that's that's just truly exhausted in yep. the project of self. So that's where we go in the next episode. Yep, good conversation ahead. Let us know. Hey, let us know if you've been listening, if you've been wrestling with this, making some discoveries, any of that. Interact with us through Instagram. Interact with us through our email. Interact with us through Facebook. Um, whatever. So um, let us let us know who you who you are and 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 um, and how you're you're coming at this. So um, Amen. that's it. See you next time. See you. Peace.